Hello and welcome to Aunt Mary from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Now for our story. It was a scintillating morning. West of Los Angeles, the sunlight made the ocean look like a picture postcard, too blue to be real. At a beach house on a porch overlooking the Pacific, a young man sat waiting for breakfast. The man, tall, brown, good-looking, looked as if he had never had a worry in the world, and yet his face betrayed a bored irritability. Paul Cromwell didn't know it, but the end of his boredom was approaching that very minute in the presence of Maximilian, his general factotum. Maximilian, carrying a tray, looked far from promise. Good morning, Mr. Cromwell. Wasn't there already seen you this morning? Yes, sir. I just thought perhaps you were feeling better by now. There's nothing wrong with the way I feel, Max. Just bored. Nothing to do around here. See the same bunch of people, drink the same, drink, listen to the same, endless gabble. Well, as I remember, Mr. Conwell, when you got out of the army, you said you were going to do nothing but blow for the next year. <laughs> you didn't really take that seriously. <laughs> Hardly. I believe it was the next day you left for San Francisco and... Uh, Please, Matt. Must you mention that? I only thought it might remind you, Mr. Conwell, that at least you're safely in boredom. Uh, shall I pour you coffee now? Mm. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. I almost forgot. The telegram came just a few minutes ago. Hmm. Hmm. What happened? Max. Yes, sir? Max. Then you're looking up. You remember Chip Calvert? Very well, sir. Two years ago, I bet your mother cooked $10 that you'd marry Miss Calvert. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I tried. I know you did, sir. Miss Calvert was a very beautiful but difficult young woman. You never quite knew what to expect of her. So I found out. Today, Monday? Yes, Mr. Calvert. Good. Max, she's arriving today. Miss uh, Calvert? Mrs. Mead, Max. Oh, I didn't know she was married, Mr. Calvert. Didn't I tell you? I believe the last time you mentioned Miss Calvert to me was over a year ago. You wrote me a card when you were stationed at Camp Downing. Oh, yes. You said you'd just discovered that Miss Calvert had returned to Wakefield to live with her father. Oh, yeah, that's right. Then you never mentioned her after that, Mr. Conway. No. She was already involved with the Sergeant Meade. That was a strange thing, Mike. Bill Meade, a farm boy from the Northwest. Handsome young animal. For a while, I thought perhaps that was it. But evidently, it cut deeper than that. Hmm. It seems incredible, Mr. Conway. Well, when I think of Miss Calvert as we knew her back east... Exactly. This means an honest, sincere, enterprising young chap. I thought you'd imagine we'd fall in love with a sweet, innocent, small-town girl. The, uh... Oh, you know, the kind of young girl who wears a ribbon around her hair and tans things in the summertime. <laughs> I can hardly imagine Miss Calvert telling me. But that's the sort of girl Mead was going with when Chip met him. Peggy Douglas. Lovely little thing. But uh, hardly a match for our kid. So, get that in. But I have a feeling she may be getting a little bored with him, Max. Oh? Yes. She's been married a little less than a year. Coming out to California alone. My eyebrows raised, Mr. Conway. And from this telegram, I'd say she wanted very much to see me. Yes. 
Well, uh, Max, it looks as if the tedium of those sun-drenched days is definitely going to be relieved. What do you think of that? I think it looks like trouble. Miss Calvert, uh, Mrs. Mead, that day, is married to And if you remember San Francisco... Oh, don't moralize about that now. This is quite a different set of circumstances. Check on that train a little later, will you? Yes. Uh, see, see whether or not it's going to be on time. Um, then we'll, uh, we'll plan to have dinner here. What very special dinner. Yes, sir. I'm afraid you've left your breakfast at call, Mr. Conway. Uh, shall I fix you something else? No, no, never mind. I'm not particularly hungry. Uh, I'd better just bring you some more coffee. And you might... Well, who... That, that sounds like... It most certainly does, sir. He thought... Hello. Round front. Someone was here. Well, we didn't hear the bell ring, darling. Jesus, what a grand surprise. He looks perfectly enchanting. Hello, Matt. Good to see you, Mrs. Stanley. Have you had breakfast? Oh, yes. I don't care for anything, Carl. Uh, never mind the coffee, Matt. All right, Mr. Conwell. You know, uh, Lisa, Max and I were just wishing for something pleasant to happen. Well, I'm afraid you didn't wish for me, though. Now, Lisa. Please, Carl. I never could stand your party. <laughs> Well, it's not very good, is it? <laughs> but it's good to see you. You look so safe and reassuring. <laughs> Me? <laughs> well, when did you get in from San Francisco? This morning. Yeah. Then uh, Lance didn't come with you? Evidently, you don't read the papers very carefully. Though I admit it was a very small item. What are you talking about? Lance walked out on me over two months ago, Paul. Oh, Lisa. Yes, right in the middle of our engagement at the Regency. Well, what's happened? Where is he? Oh, I don't know. And I don't care. I don't want to see him again. I don't want him to find me, Paul. You can't very well stay in hiding, Lisa, and, and have your career, too. There isn't going to be any more career. Things are different now. Oh, you mustn't be like that. Lance was a good dancer, yes, but he you... Was, he was wonderful, wasn't he? Wasn't it odd, Paul? Whenever we were dancing together, everything was all right between us. I always felt as I did the first time I ever danced with him. And I adored myself. <laughs> Remember, Paul? You used to say you hated to see me dance with him. Yes. But after all, darling, you'll be able to find someone else to work with you. Never stop now. I don't know if I'll ever go back to it. But in any event, I shan't be dancing for some time because, well, I'm going to have a baby, Paul. Oh. Does Lance know? No. I hadn't told him when he left. Oh. This is quite a bombshell. All the way down on the train, I imagined what you would say. I thought maybe you'd help me. Of course, darling. Of course. Only I've got to think this thing over. Uh, but don't you worry. I'll see if you're taken care of. I, I tell you what. I'll have Max take you back to your hotel and... But I'm not staying at the hotel. Mm-hmm. I couldn't get a room. I brought my bags and a taxi with me. I... I thought I could stay here for a while. But it is for you. Haven't... Haven't you your housekeeper living here? Yes, but I... Oh, I... I know you're annoyed with the whole thing. 
but I can't help it. Oh, now, now, now. Don't talk like that. And for pity's sake, don't cry. Oh, I'm so tired and... And then to have you ask us to... Well, don't worry. You can stay here, Lisa. Now, go on in the house and tell Max to get your room ready. Oh, Paul. I knew I could count on you. I feel so much better already. But the same thing could not be said for Paul Cromwell. As he watched Lisa Fenner go into the house, he wondered if he had often done whether she was a naive child or a scheming woman or both. But Paul Cromwell was certain of one thing. Lisa had certainly chosen an inopportune time to arrive with Kip expected the same day. But oddly enough, Mr. Cromwell, Lisa Fenner's presence in your house may not be as inopportune as you think. I wonder, though, why you feel a sense of responsibility for this woman. 